once in church. <laughs> All right, well, hey, do me a favor. Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 today. I'm jumping out of the book of James for today. A little bit different message today. Um, today is my 20th anniversary as pastor of this church. And... Um, And today's message is not really about me, but um, I wanted to say a word of thank you. You know, 20 years ago, um, summer of 2020, 2001, um, the elders of this church at that time, which consisted of my father-in-law, Richard, um, Rich Clark, and Ron Robinson, who is sick today and um, uh, isn't able to be here. And, and these men came to our house on a weeknight and um, asked if I would be willing to take over as pastor of this church. At that time, our pastor, um, who we considered our pastor, was getting ready to resign, and we were going to be pastorless. And um, in 20, or I keep saying 20, in 2001, um, I was working outside the church. Uh, we... We're young, early 30s, and um, had two kids. Noah was five, Breck was two, and, um, and I was doing youth ministry in the church. Well content with doing youth ministry in the church. And um, I knew I wanted to be a pastor one day. Um, I just didn't think it was going to be that day. And, and so... Um, so it's almost like God has a way of pushing the agenda and so, uh, so these guys show up and ask if we would consider it, and, and we did. We spent several weeks praying and seeking and asking and fasting and um, talking and discussing. And after several weeks, we came to the conclusion that it was time, that this is what God was calling me to do. And that was a big decision. It was a life-changing decision. Um, I was leaving um, a job that I'd been in for seven years, and we were stepping out of what we knew and stepping into the unknown and uh, not really knowing where this was going to go. And um, on September 2nd, 2001, Labor Day weekend, um, I preached my first message um, as pastor of this church with 45 people looking at me, thinking, okay, Spartacus, where are we going? And um, the journey began. And um, today's message is a message to say thank you. And I've entitled my message, After 20 Years, I Thank. And I want to read the text in Philippians Starting with verse 3, it says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I want to give you three um, thank yous in this text. There is no outline. If you want to take notes, please, please feel free. But this is more of just you just sitting back, listening, and let me tell you a story. Um, the first thing I want to say thank you. After 20 years, I want to thank God. That's where Paul is. He says, I, I thank my God. You know, Paul is writing to this church in a city called Philippi. And Philippi was actually a Roman colony in northern Greece. And so Paul, on his missionary journeys, you know, he'd go from different towns and cities and he would plant churches. And he came to this city in northern Greece called Philippi and he plants a church and, and it grows and he spends some time there and he gets it going and then he leaves. And now after several years, he's thinking about this church again. And he's thinking about the impact they have had in his life and him on them. And, and the only thing he can begin with is, I thank my God. 
You see, that's how this message actually came into existence. Because I wasn't planning on preaching this message. It is not in my preaching calendar. When I started the, the book of James, you all remember me saying, hopefully, I said, hey, it's not written. My, my preaching calendar through James is not written in stone. It can change. All right? I really didn't have any expectations to change it. Um, but on August 2nd, Monday, August 2nd, I was driving to Gelsberg, and I was thinking about Sunday, August 1st, and about the offering that we received. Now, you may be thinking, what was so important about the offering on August 1st that caused you to write a message for today? Well, three weeks prior to August 1st, the three offerings that we received, one offering was $500 below our weekly need. The next week was $1,000 below our weekly need. And the third week was $1,200 below our weekly need. Do the math on that, okay? So when you start to have weeks kind of at up and you're below your weekly need, um, guess what kind of prayer you start to pray? God, we need you to meet our weekly need in this week and catch up what we've lost. So I actually began to pray. So after the last week in the last Sunday in July, coming up to August 1st, I began to pray that week. And I'm like, God, we need a $5,000 offering. Now, I just told you the previous weeks, uh, they're not even close. $5,000, not even in the ballpark. And I'm praying, I'm like, God, we need a $5,000 offering. We need to make up for what we were losing. And now we've got to meet all of our needs coming up. And so I'm praying for a $5,000 offering, asking God for a $5,000 offering, not what, knowing what was going to take place on August 1st. And then we have church, we take the offering, and then I see the offering um, after August 1st. It wasn't $5,000. It was double that. It was $10,550. All I could do on Monday morning, August 2nd, as I was driving to Gelsberg, was to sit there and go, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then just like an epiphany, the light bulb came on and said, that's got to be my message on this Sunday. A message of thank you. And to begin, it is to thank God. And as I thought about this, I want to thank God for really two main things. One, I thank God for his goodness. That for 20 years, I mean, our church has been in existence. It started in 89. And so we as a church have been together for 32 years. I've been pastoring for 20 of those 32 years. And I thank God for the goodness that he has shown me over 20 years, mercy and grace and love and patience. Because when I took over as pastor of this church, um, I, was, I was attending um, at the time, it was Lincoln Christian um, College, now it's Lincoln Christian University, and I was finishing up my degree in biblical leadership and management. When I took over as pastor, I had not gone to seminary, as most pastors do. I was not educationally trained to be a pastor. Um, I did not have classes like a lot of seminary uh, students do on how to preach correctly and effectively. I, I, I did not have, I mean, I had a mentor for about 10 minutes and then that relationship dissolved because of him. I did not have anybody really mentoring me on how to pastor. And so I came into this almost like the apostles in the book of Acts. Uneducated and common. With no clue of really what I was doing. I mean, not a clue. Not a clue. And I sit back and I'm thinking, I'm like, how in the world did God not go, I made such a mistake. This guy is lost and we need to get him out of here really quick. Um, God showed so much grace and mercy and patience as 
those of you who were here in those early days. In fact, do me a favor. If you were here in this church on my first Sunday, raise your hand. Those of you who weren't, look around. Okay, Noah was. Ron Robinson, if he was here, he would have his hand up. But you notice we have about six people here today that were here on my first day. And they're still here. Everybody say, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but, but God was so generous to me. And he, he led me day by day, week by week, month by month, which became year by year into two decades. And I sit and I scratch my head and I'm like, all I can do is say, God, thank you. Because when I got into this thing and it, and it started going, it seemed like I was making one mistake after another, saying something I shouldn't have said. I mean, I, I mean <laughs> this is how much I've grown. I came out of youth ministry, all right? And when you, when you speak to, to teenagers, you speak on their level. And so I get up here, and the first time I say crap up here, adults are like, oh, did he just say what I think he said? So it took me some number of years to get out of, I can't say that in church, okay? There were certain words I could say to teenagers that really put adults in coronary. So I had to learn not to say those words. And it took some time. So, so God was so good to me and to Paula, to my family. Paula and I were just talking just this week about the goodness that he has shown us. And, and, and just, we just sometimes are just overwhelmed by his goodness. But the second thing I'm very thankful for is his faithfulness. Lamentations chapter three tells us that God's faith, that, that it, it says how, how great is his faithfulness. It's not God is faithful, but it's how great is his faithfulness. It is more than you and I can fathom. God is faithful to his word. He is faithful to what he has promised, to what he said he would do, and he does not break it. If he says something in his word, this is what I will do, he is faithful to do it. And that is one thing I have banked on in 20 years, the faithfulness of God. The, there's three areas that I look at, think about the faithfulness of God as far as this church and as far as me as pastor. Number one, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of God just in the fact that he has cared for and watched over and, and made sure this church has stayed running. Because can I tell you, um, I was not in this church when it first started. It was about three years after this church started that I started attending. But from what I understand is that when this church was first started to, to plant and to start up, um, Woodhall did not want it. Because Woodhall already had three churches. Why do we need a fourth? Especially a weird church. And we became known as the church that, did you all know that we hung chickens up in here? That was new to me. I didn't ever knew that, but apparently we did, according to the town of Woodhall, that we hung chickens up in here. You know, we were doing voodoo stuff and all that kind of weird stuff. So we don't need another church, especially a weird church, in Woodhall. And, and so the town of Woodhall was not very receptive of it. Our founding pastor resigned after five or six years. Then the pastor after him resigned after about six years. So one would think, okay, if we're going to keep losing pastors, I don't want to stay in the church. But we kept going. And that's when the elders came to me and, and I took over the church. And how in the world um, the church has maintained and kept going just goes to the show the faithfulness of God to care for his church. Because can I tell you, the first three, four years of me as pastor was some of the hardest outside of the last two years, was probably some of the hardest years in my ministry, okay? I mean, I was baptized by fire into ministry. And the first few years were very difficult. And, and I was getting to a point where I was starting to burn out. Now, you may be thinking, wow, Jim, in a few years you were already burning out? Let me give you a couple of statistics that I found. 
80% of pastors that start in ministry are no longer pastoring within 10 years. 80%. Okay? On average, seminary trained pastors last only, guess how many years? Close. Five years. Then they're done. Because a lot of seminary pastors, we go through school and we've, we're given this rose-colored picture of what church is like. And we have this idea that, man, we're saving the world and we're going to go into church and change everybody. And then you get into church and you realize, wow, people stink. <laughs> this really is hard. And, and you're thinking, man, I'm in a church with Christians and they're loving until they attack you. And then you're like, Wow, the, the, the lion turns on its own kind. And, and pastors burn out. I was burning out. And I was ready to quit. I was really done. And if it wasn't for um, Rich and Jan Clark saying something to me, if it wasn't for Paul and I going to a conference that truly transformed um, our lives and me as a pastor, I would not be standing before you. God was faithful in all of that. He was faithful to watch over this church. And I'm telling you, it's been just perplexing that over the past 20 years, this church has maintained and kept going. And it has perplexed me that over the past two years of what is everything that's happened in this church, we are still going. And I'm going to give you some numbers here in a few moments just to show you why that's, that's so important to know. But another area that God has been so faithful in is providing great people. I mean, gifted people, talented people, skilled people, you know, people who can teach, people who are just have a servant's heart, people who will just be, are willing to step in and, and, and do and, and serve and, hey, whatever you need me to do. And, you know, we got people, you know, I walk in here today and I know Cody's up there and he was having some technical difficulties with the PowerPoint. And I walk up there and I know Roger was helping. And then I walk in and there's Tony, he's up there doing. And, you know, Tony, he didn't have, he's not, he wasn't on the schedule. Tony could have said, that's not my gig today, man. But he walks up, he's down there and he's working with them. I just, you know, I just look at so many of you even today just stepping up whatever it takes man let's get her done and that has been a, a, a place where I've just seen the faithfulness of God and about the time we need something boom somebody appears and can fill the void but the third area that God has truly shown his faithfulness is in the area of the finances of this church over and over and over. I just told you one, one of many times that has happened. Not maybe 10,000, but the, 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 the phenomenal faithfulness of God in the finances of this church. Most churches of our size, 150 and under, most pastors of small churches, guess what they have to do? They pastor the church, but then they also have another job outside the church. They're called a bivocational pastor. That is hard on a pastor. That is what burns pastors out because they try to manage the church and then they have to manage a job and, and just to make, you know, to, to, to make ends meet for their family. In 20 years, I can tell you how many days on one hand I've had to work another job. That many. Zero. I have never had to work another job outside this church. God has been so faithful to bless this church through you as people to provide for me and my family. There were times where Paula wasn't even working. And I was able to be provided for to take care of her, Noah, Breck, our home for, for all this time. But not only has God provided for me financially, but then we got to a point, you know, where Paula 
she was the worship leader. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. But she was the worship leader for a long, long time. Until the day she came to me and she goes, oh, I just need to let you know I'm done. I'm like, done with what? <laughs> done with worship. What do you mean? I'm not going to lead worship anymore. And I'm like, no, I know, I know. She, you've told me that before. She's like, no, I'm done. She's like, I'll be on the team, but I'm not going to lead it. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't understand. If you don't lead, we don't have worship. And she's like, exactly. So that's when I had to go to the elders and I said, guys, we have a problem. I go, Paula is done leading worship. And she was unpaid. She was volunteering to do this. And I said, because um, I actually talked to another Harvest pastor at that time. And I asked him, I said, you got any, you got to give me some ideas. Give me some feedback. He goes, well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to hire someone. I'm like, oh, dude, you don't know where, I'm like, you don't understand. We, we can't afford it. I'm like, we're just barely getting by with me. He's like, well, he goes, if you don't have worship, you don't have church. He's like, suck it up, Sally. Hire somebody. So I went to the elders and I'm like, guys, we've got to hire somebody. And we all looked at each other like cows staring at a new gate. And we're like, how are we going to do this? And we said, we got to trust God. And so we stepped into this unknown again and we began the search. And now for 10, 10 years, going on 11 years, God has provided not for just one full-time pastor, but for two with the same number of people, basically. But then we got to a place where we truly needed to do something with our children. So we said, okay, we got one full-time pastor, two full-time pastors. Let's just throw it in there and hire a part-time children's director. Oh, and by the way, I can't do all the admin stuff anymore. So let's really test God and hire a part-time admin assistant. And guess what God has done faithfully in all these years? Provided for all of us. I step back and I'm like, God, you are faithful. He has provided financially for this church time and time and time and time again. In my 20 years, it doesn't mean we have been high on the hog financially. It doesn't mean that we haven't had lean times, okay? I just showed you. There have been many times where we have been under weekly, but then it's just like about the time we're thinking, we're not making it, boom, God shows up. Brings an offering, meets all of the needs. There have been multiple construction things, like the foyer, for example. When we remodeled that, okay? When we redid that thing and we opened it up, and we put the carpet down there. The carpet was going to cost $1,900 to be installed. We just didn't have that money, but we had to figure out how to pay for it. There was a family in this church, a couple, who moved to Oklahoma. Okay, They loved this church, but they ended up moving away. They lived in Oklahoma, and he was a cowboy. And he did rodeos. And he won a rodeo competition. And his tithe, want to guess how much it was? $1,900. And guess where he sent it? To us. Because he wrote in a note, he goes, I just felt God wanted me to send my tithe to you. Use it how you need it. Well, that's going to buy carpet. Every time. When we were in debt as a church, one of the first things I wanted to believe God for was to get us out of debt. And we got out of debt. We are debt free as a church. Every construction project that we have done, God has provided supernaturally through you as people. And guess what? He's done it again. We, back in April, when I was in the book of Exodus, and I was talking about the tabernacle, and I was showing you the colors and the dimensions, and I said, this is God's house. I said the tabernacle and the temple became God's house and he wants it taken care of. He wants his house in, in good repair. He wants it looking good. And unfortunately, we as a church, we have a roof, a metal roof that wants to keep leaking. And, and, and we've tried to patch it here and there. And I've always been stubborn at trying to pay $30,000 for a roof. I just like, I can't do it. I can't pull the trigger on that. And then finally this year, I just, I told the elders, I go, guys, we've got to do it. We've got to do something professionally with this roof. And we had some bids on it. And we finally settled on a bid of $30,300. Plus, we're remodeling the back room. Um, commercial, okay? 
I'm tired of calling the back room the back room. So here's what we're going to do. The elders and I were talking this week. We're going to have a competition. We're going to have our kickoff of the back room, uh, the remodel of it, um, October 17th, Sunday night. Mark your calendar. I want a creative name for the back room instead of the back room. Whoever can come up with a very creative name and the elders will pick who the winner is, you'll win a gift card, okay? You know, gift card to your favorite restaurant or something like that. I want a really cool name so we're not saying, hey, we're going to have a back room. I want it to be like the cave or, you know, being a paradise or something. I don't care what it, something other than the back room or the garage area, you know, because it used to be a garage back when it was a furniture store. So, um, so creative people, Get your creativity going. Come up with a name and email it to me. And we're going to gather all the names and then we'll pick one. All right? Back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> so we, we were $30,300 for the roof. We estimated about um, for the back end and then all the new sound equipment, approximately another $9,000. And um, so we came up with a, a figure of about $39,000. And when I was preaching through Exodus, I cast that vision. And I know some of you, because I've talked to you, you thought I was nuts. And um, you even told me you were nuts thinking $39,000. And I said we were going to take raise money between April, May, June, July, August, into September. Five months. And we're going to raise the money. At the end of March, we had just a little over $11,000 in our building fund. So we needed to raise a about $28,000 in five months, okay? I'm going to come back to that in a sec. I'm going to keep you there. Because it's important to understand this point. Before we understand why raising $28,000 in five months is a big deal, we need to understand something else. At the end now, I'm going to base these numbers at the end of August, because that's where we are. First, first week in labor, first week in September. So if, at the end of August, that's where I'm going to be base all these numbers on. At the end of August in 2019, okay, 2019, so two years ago, at, in August of 2019, nothing was going on in the world, right? As far as COVID, everything was fine. Everything, everybody was normal. We were coming to church. Everything was normal. Everybody say it was normal. It was normal, okay? We averaged somewhere about 100 to 110 people every Sunday. So that means there were some Sundays where we had 130, 140 people in church. Some Sundays we low end of the poll, 85 people. That was the low end. And those were just a few far in between. So on the 85 People Sundays were the Sundays I was freaking out. Like, where's everybody at? Why do we only have 85 people? This is crazy. We're, you know, I loved 130 to 140 people in church. Did not like the 85. So that's 2019 of August. Somewhere on 100 to 110 people. Okay? At the end of August in 2019, we had $105,653 come into the church for our general fund. Okay? 105000 Keep that figure in mind. So about 100 to 110 people, 105,000. No, for the end of August, 2019. And everything is good. Fast forward one year, August of 2020. Was August of 2020 a little different year? It, life was turned upside down, wasn't it? We weren't even meeting as a church. So I have no numbers for you where we were numerically as a church, okay? Because everybody was online. I, there were some Sundays, I don't know who was online, who wasn't. I don't know who was, so I have no numbers as far as who was still in the church and, at that time. But here's what I do know, is we had people leave the church. Because they told me. They didn't like the decisions we were making during COVID, and they left. So we knew we had people leaving. But at the end of August of 2020... We had 106,147 people come in. I mean, 106,000 people. <laughs> Holy cow, where are they all at, Jim? $106,147 come in. So from 2019, when everything was normal, 
to 2020 when everything was upside down, we had a thousand more dollars come into our general fund. Now fast forward to last week, the end of August, 2021. We as a church have averaged since we've opened back up, since we've, you know, we opened back up, you know, slow open with social distancing and all that, and then we fully opened. Um, at that point, we have averaged 60 people. That means there are some Sundays, like last week, we had 71. But then there are some Sundays, guess where we're at? 40. So we have gone from averaging 100 to 110 people to 60. In, le- in about a year to a year and a half, we have lost 40% of our church. Meaning we've had, I know we've had people move away. We've had people leave the church because of a divorce. We've had people leave the church because of the decisions we've made during COVID. And then we just have had people just haven't come back. For no rhyme or reason, just not coming back. And all I know is we are down 40%. Think about that. If you're a business owner and you lost 40% of your business, would you, if you lost, as a business owner, lost 40% of your business, would you gain money or lose money? Lose money. The arithmetic is just there, right? You would lose money, and you would lose a lot of money, even to the point of probably saying what? I probably have to close my business because I've lost 40% of it. I can't stay in business anymore. Last week, with an average of 60 people, we had, as of last week, come in $123,322. So in two years, in 2019, when everything was normal, we go from 105000 And in two years, 40% loss of our church, and we gain almost $20,000. How does that arithmetic happen? There's only one explanation. God is faithful. Now, back to the building fund. We have lost 40% of our people. 40% of our numbers have gone down. So when I started this idea that we were going to raise, um, we needed to have $39,000 by September. We were at an average of 60 people. Okay. 40% less. Now in everything in me should have said, it's crazy to do this. In fact, I said, you some of you looked at me and said, I'm nuts. There's no way this can happen. But God is faithful. As of today, we have brought in $25,961. As of today, and here's the thing, we have bought all the sound equipment we needed. The back room is probably 85% done. We got to still pay for the carpet and a few other odds and ends. And Andrea Kessinger actually told me something that I wish I would have thought of and I would have put it in the budget, but I want to believe that we can even get this. She, because when we would do events, we would do them in here. Well, guess what we have enough of in here? Chairs. We go back to the back room, but the new name will be coming shortly. But when we go to the back room, guess what we don't have? Chairs. So we could have dinners. I don't think anybody wants to stand up though. Or we have about 50, uh, maybe 40 chairs we could put back there and we could play musical chairs and whoever gets them gets to sit and everybody else has a stand. Or we can include about another $1,800 and we can buy new chairs and we believe God for the finances. But here's what I do know is right now in our building fund, with all the sound equipment paid for, a lot of the back room already done, we have $29,567. And I said, for the roof, we need $30,300. So we are short $700. And I've been telling you over the past several months that Paula and I have not given yet. I know we gave today. 
And I'm believing, believing to the fact that when Armor Roofing called me this past week, they said, hey, are you good for Wednesday for the roof? Now, we're short money. I said, yes, we are. Let's get it sprayed. But here's the thing. When it gets sprayed, guess what they need? A check. And um, I got to make sure there's enough money in that account. So guess what I'm believing? God is faithful and we will have $30,300 in that account. And I'm going to write a check to Armor Roofing. They're going to spray that roof and believe in God that I'm going to go back on the big first rain and there will not be a drip back there. God is faithful. And he provides and he meets our needs. And I want that to be an encouragement to you. God is not just faithful to this church. He is also faithful to you. And you can trust him and you can believe him and you can stand on his word. He is faithful. And I thank him. Okay, now I got to speak really fast because that was really long. Here's the second thing I got to say thank you to, and it's not in our, in our text. I've got to say thank you to my wife and my kids. You know, we were blessed to have Mecca and Noah up here today. It's always great to see them come. Um, Breck is in the Navy, and I'm hoping that right now she's looking at me. And I said, hey, why don't you tune in? And she's like, okay, so Brecky, if you're watching, send mom a text, give a thumbs up. And I'm hoping we hear it real quick, because I'm hoping she didn't like sleep in and go wake up, you know, because she's two hours behind and wake up and go, ah, I missed it. So I'm hoping she's watching. But I am grateful for my kids. They have stuck in here. They have grown up in the church. Noah was five. And, and now here he is, 25. Breck was two, 22 now. And both of them have grown up in the church. Noah served, um, both of them served on the worship team playing drums. I remember Noah being up in the sound booth where Roger was and playing with her old sound equipment and trying to do his best. And, and, and it's great when both of them come home and are able to do something. And I, I love the fact that Noah and Mecca is able, able to come up here and worship with us and, and, and express themselves through worship. And I thank you guys. I love you and I just appreciate you. But outside of Christ, my biggest support is Paula. Because she has been my encouragement. She, at times, she has challenged me. She has prayed for me. She has helped me. Stood by me in all this. She has been my, my anchor. She has been my support. And like I said, apart from Christ, she has helped me through this. I thank her that she and I, have, on day one, together up here. On day one, she was at this piano leading worship. And for 20 years, not only have I been preaching, but she has been playing faithfully for 20 years. For 10 of those years, she led this worship team unpaid, okay? And I can remember taking the kids up to the park on Saturday mornings because week in and week out on Saturday mornings, she was up here with two people, three people, worshiping, getting the song set together. Back in the day when we didn't have a projector and they had the overhead projector here. How many of you had, grew up in a church with an overhead projector? And there she was, you know, making the projection slides, the whole nine yards, faithfully doing that for 20 years or for 10 years leading. And then when we hired our, you know, Kevin, our first worship pastor and now Dusty, she didn't quit the team. She stayed on it. And she has worshiped faithfully. Time and time and year after year, through the good, through the bad, just every difficulty that can come with worship team. And she has done it and she has been faithful. And, and, and she and I, like I told her this week, I go, isn't it kind of been, like my first Sunday, our first Sunday, it was she and I. We didn't have a worship pastor. I find it almost ironic that Dusty's gone. We don't have a worship pastor today. And guess what it was? She and I, again, doing worship having technical difficulties again, okay? 
But here's the one thing I thank her for is that over the years, through the good times, through the bad times, through the, the times that have been enjoyable and the times that have been very difficult, she hasn't quit. If there would have been one thing, if I could go back to the very beginning and if I could figure out how to do it, if there would have been one thing that I could have done is I would have protected her. Not to say I didn't, but I wish I would, could have put a shield over her where she would not have to, have to see the ugliness and the hurt and the pain that comes with being a pastor's wife. Because I have seen her weep and cry and grieve and hurt. I've seen her just go through all the emotions that come with being a pastor's wife. And through it all, through every pain, through every hurt, through every disappointment, through every loss, through every grief, she has not quit. I have seen her day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, continue to grow as a woman of God. I've seen her continue to believe and to trust and exercise her faith and say, God, it's so hard right now, but I believe you're in the middle of this. I've seen her continue to worship and to walk and to work and to witness for Christ. I've seen her just to continue to, to when she just wants to stop and to quit and to give up and like, let's move away, I'm done, to back up, hit the reset button and re-engage. And she's done that year after year. You know, we have every October Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm telling you, there needs to be a Pastor's Wives Appreciation Month. Because a lot of times the pastor gets all the glory and all the, the applause and, and all the praise. But I'm telling you, a pastor is only, if he's, if he's married, is truly only as strong as his wife. And, and Paula has been the, 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 the crutch that I have had to stand on so many times. Because there are things that I have to talk about that if I said it to you guys, you would look at me and went, oh my gosh, we got to leave because he's freaking out. She's the only one that I can be completely honest with. And that's hard. Because she has to feel my pain. She has to feel it when I'm being attacked and I've got, and I have nowhere else to go. I've got to get it out. I've got to talk to someone and she's my sounding board. And that's where she has to feel the pain and she feels the loss. She feels the disappointment. And if there would have been any way that I could have protected her in a shell that to this day, she could say, no, I'm, I've never been hurt, never been disappointed. Man, Jim took a... I would love to be able to do that. But that's unrealistic. She has shown herself to continue to grow and to become a wonderful woman of God. She is an amazing mom and she has been an amazing support and a loving wife to me. Not for just 28 years of marriage, but 20 years of ministry. And I thank my wife and I hope you would too. I've got one more point is because I will, I will just buzz through this third point if I have to. Is everybody still good? Because I've got a movie clip that's going to be about three minutes long. Are we okay? If anybody's not okay, raise your hand. Then I'll kick you out. <laughs> Only kidding. I'm, I'm hoping that you're getting something out of this. I just wanted to really express my heart today. But here's my third point. After 20 years of ministry, after 20 years of pastoring, I want to thank you. Thank you. And especially over these past 18 months. We've had a lot of people leave this church. For whatever reason. And it's been hard to watch. 
it has been hard to just like a hole in a, in a foundation and the water's just pouring. And like, you're like, what in the world is happening? But here's the thing. I'm looking at 60 people in this church who have said, Jim, we're here. I want to play a video clip here from the movie Hoosiers. And it's got Gene Hackman as the, the main character. And he plays his name. What's the coach's name? Let me find it here. He plays uh, Coach Norman Dale. And this movie takes place, it's based loosely on the, the real team from a town in Hickory that a small, or in Indiana, a small t- team that went to state and, and won. And so Gene Hackman plays this Norman Dale, a coach of a basketball team from Hickory, Indiana. And the team only has six players on it, so it's real small. And, um, and, and Gene Hackman's character, Coach Norman Dale, has a philosophy where he's like, I want you to pass the ball four times before you ever shoot it. And in every game, he's like, four passes, four passes. And they're passing it, and it's being stolen. The team is getting beat, and, they're, and the team is getting frustrated. Well, in this one game where the clip is, in the first half, he's, you know, Norman Dale's like, four passes, four passes. The team's doing that, and they're getting beat. And they're getting ready to go into halftime. And that's where I want to start the clip. Go ahead, Cody. I love that clip. My team's on the floor. 
Now you're thinking, Jim, why did you play that clip? My team's on the floor. We may not have 110 or 120, 130 people. We may have lost 40% of our church. My team's on the floor. I've got, and I, I don't want, I'm, it's not mine, but I'm just saying it this way. I see 60 people who are like, through this pandemic, people who have stepped up. People are like, hey, whatever you need, I will do it. I'm telling you, I have seen people in this church do things over the past 18 months that's never done it before. All I know is my team is on the floor and I can never be, I, I, I don't need hundreds of people. God has shaped my heart so differently over the past 18 months. All I know is I look at people in this church right now willing to just commit. And you know what? The people who have decided I don't want to go back and I'm not coming back, I, I pray that they'll find a place that they can really commit. All I know is you all, you're my team. And I'm proud to be the pastor of this church. And if God so chooses to keep us here at 60 people, guess what? We're going to keep doing what we're called to do. All I know is this. Paul writes there in verse 6. He says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That is my I am sure of this. God has began a great work in this church and through all the thick and the thin, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, people coming, people leaving, the whole nine yards, I am sure of this. God has began a good work and he will bring it to completion. And I believe he's doing it through you. Harvest, I love you and I appreciate you. And so at this time, I know Jeff Kessinger had, we're not going to sing a closing song. We're just, I'll just let Jeff speak here and then, and then I'll close in a word of prayer. So I know Jeff wanted to say something. I hope that is on. Hello. All right. So this, uh, this is a special month for Andrew and I too. Uh, our first Sunday here was Donovan's last Sunday. We came to visit, and he finished.